Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day to the fathers in the room. We are excited that you chose to be here. Um, Hopefully you're able to be with your families this morning and throughout the day that you get to be with your loved ones. Would you stand as we worship our Heavenly Father this morning with what a friend we have in Jesus.
for us this morning.
Father's Day, everyone. All, all, all the men. <laughs>
I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. And as they're coming forward, if you would indulge me for just a minute, I want to read from a passage that we uh, discussed in our LifePoint Bible study group this morning in the Committed Life class. It's from Luke chapter 15. This is the parable of the lost son. And uh, I really couldn't think of a better passage to read on Father's Day. It's a a passage that uh, is, is dear to my heart. The beginning of the parable, this is a made-up story that Jesus uh, gave. Um, the beginning of the story uh, has two sons, and one of the sons hatefully and um, scornfully asks his father for his uh, portion of the goods that falls to him, his inheritance. And uh, not many days after that, he leaves, and he goes off and um, just wastes his possessions with prodigal living, profligate, uh, wicked, evil, undesirable, uh, lives and wastes everything that, that he has. Verse 16, he, he finds himself in a pig pen. He's uh, eating uh, the food of swine. He realizes that he's ruined his life. Verse 17 says, Actually, verse 16, he says, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer to be... Worthy to be called your son, make me like one of your hired servants. So he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the father, and sorry, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Um, this is a picture of a, a sinful son who repented. But it's also a glorious picture of our Heavenly Father. Uh, a, a Heavenly Father that uh, is quick to forgive. He's quick to restore us when we recognize our sin and call to him for mercy and grace. Um, what a beautiful picture to consider on this Father's Day. As we give of our possessions, give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, as we prepare for vacation Bible school this week, we're calling on that same gracious Heavenly Father to use what we have, what meager things we can contribute to expand his kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful picture of the prodigal son, but of you, Lord, our Heavenly Father, our good, good Father, who's quick to forgive, quick to restore us when we call out to you by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll use these offerings to expand your kingdom. Help us to minister to a community that needs Christ so desperately. Lord, help us to glorify you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
blue. Ah, so I did, that wasn't planned. My cord got caught on the seat. There's the two. We're going to be okay. My cord just simply got caught on the seat. What a beautiful segue uh, for what we want to share today by way of the prodigal son. God, the, God is called Father 189 times in the Gospels. 189 times. That's a lot. And um, so today we're going to talk about that just a little bit uh, as it relates to Father's Day. I did want to take this time and share also just some, uh, just some housekeeping news for us um, here as it relates to our church. You may have noticed our stage looks just a little different today. Our theme for Vacation Bible School, which starts tomorrow, is you have a friend in him. You have a friend in him. And um, so I'm not going to sing it. This is Andy's bedroom that was recreated. Now, of course, Pastor Rick has done a fantastic job, as he always does, preparing each lesson. He has a general assembly together, and then each class has their lesson. They're themed. Each day has a theme with scripture. Great. We genuinely are a vacation Bible school, and we do it with a smile and have a lot of fun. How do I know those lessons are so good? Because I'm stealing them from Pastor Rick and using them at camp next week that I'm at at Youth Haven Bible Camp. He did all the work for me. So uh, they're really good lessons. I value all the work that goes into creativity and, and everything that you see, every room. We'll be rocking and rolling tomorrow, and we're excited for Vacation Bible School. But it is definitely here. There's no doubt about that. I also wanted to make mention of this. I think Lori Prem, who said, Pastor Scott, we've been praying for gospel conversations, and we did the cards in January, and we've kind of moved along. And what we did back in January was I had you write the initials of a couple people on a card here so that um, people to be praying for, people that do not have a proclamation of faith, people that in your family, in your world, not that you're not that you're we're better than them. It's not the goal. What we desire for anybody watching on Facebook or anybody with an earshot is to be introduced, first of all, to Jesus Christ. There's eight billion people on this earth, the bulk of which do not know a good, clear gospel presentation of what who is and what is. Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ and what he has done? It's vitally important because eternity, their soul is in the balance. And can I, we speak on a real level? Life to life. There's people within our circle of influence that are hurting. And you see it. You see it in their eyes. You see it in their life. So we, we've had people to pray for. We put initials on these cards. We didn't put their names on there. We didn't, our goal wasn't to embarrass anybody. They're just initials. But they're on the cards. We actually talked in a staff meeting like, okay, we got these cards. What do we do with them? Do we hand them out and people bring them back in? We thought, well, people will lose them and all that. Lori had the idea, and she took the time. She took all these cards home and put all their initials on one sheet of paper. So you can take this home all these initials, and you could be praying for these people uh, that perhaps do not know Christ as their Savior. You may think, well, that's too big of a task. Guess what? You don't have to pray for everyone every day. And you may think, well, why should I do this? 
there's a verse is our motto, if you will, our theme verse. My heart's desire and prayer, in part, in Romans 10:1, finishes by saying, in that they may be saved. Isn't that a beautiful word? We have life at our, um, within us, a life in the resurrection, life now and life forever. Let's share that. Let's share that and not be nervous about sharing that as well. So right now, those pay, uh, uh, several copies right here, stack full, they will be at the Welcome Center. Right now, they're right, now, uh, they're right there at the front. Please take them home, put them on your refrigerator, put them in your Bible. Uh, when you do your daily bread or whenever your daily devotion, whenever time it is, take time, pull these out, pray for a handful of people at a time, or maybe just one a day. Whatever you decide, that's between you and the Lord. But why are we doing this? Because odds are somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you. What an impact and power that prayer has in our lives. So if we could um, uh, take this day and give our attention, of course, to our Heavenly Father. Why are we doing this today? Well, it is Father's Day, absolutely. But the one thing that stands out as we consider Father's Day is this, that many fathers and mothers day, we apply the scripture and we apply it by the, what the implication, the application is followed by the implication of the scripture. It's important that we know who our heavenly father is. Amen? You agree with that? So we will be talking about Father's Day this morning. I was hoping to go uh, just not make another transition with microphones, but I found a way of, do, of doing it. If you'll turn to Psalm 68, that'll give me time to put that, that microphone back on my hip, all right? Let's do that. Psalm 68. When we think about Father's Day, uh, I, my goal and hope for us all is to be in awe of our Heavenly Father so much that it will alter our lives organically. Just to, to see, once you get a glimpse, and that's, by the way, I think a glimpse is about all we can handle anyways. But if we can just get a glimpse of our Heavenly Father Man, woman, boy, or girl, it will change our lives uh, so much and organically. But we do want to take a moment and welcome those watching on Facebook. Karen Stanhope actually texted me this morning. They're doing, doing something special in regard to Dennis, uh, her husband that passed away. But let's take a moment, and she said she'd be watching and welcome Karen Stanhope. Let's make sure she knows she's loved by Crosspoint this morning. I love doing that. Would you agree with me that God the Father is the creator of all things? If you agree, say amen. amen. Now, don't amen if you don't agree. I do not want just a mantra of you, just got, uh, my prompting. If you believe these things, agree with me and say amen. He is the creator of all things. Amen. His fatherhood includes the purpose in the Trinity. 
He is the father of all. You agree with that? Of all? Everybody? The father of all, Ephesians 6, 4. Yet, the spiritual father of only genuine believers. That's key. That is key. Not everybody who uses his name is in the family. Jesus warned us of that, didn't he? We have a perfect father. Psalm 68 is where I want us, the first verse I want us to consider this morning. Psalm 68, if you're new to the scriptures, just go to the middle of the Bible and open it up. And then if you're not at Psalms, then go back to the table of context. If you're familiar with scripture, you know about right where it's at, right in the middle. Psalm 68, verse 5. And I want you to consider this uh, truth of scripture. Watch this. That he is a father to the fatherless. He's a father to the fatherless. You've heard this term father figure. You've heard that uh, uh, passed about. You know, even as I was reading this scripture, it reminded me of father to the fatherless. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's probably, you know, the more in my mind I go to, you know, people that, that grew up without a father. Perhaps the father was absent or had, had uh, died early or something of that uh, um, uh, nature. And then the more I thought about my own personal life, you know, at, at my age, in my 50s, I still need a father. He's a father to the fatherless. What is Psalm 68 verse 5 telling us? Look as it reads. And a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. We, Pastor Roger, two weeks ago, I this week, last Wednesday, we talked about his habitation. And, of course, we in our minds go straight to heaven. Now, remember... Heaven's a place where he dwells, but he doesn't need heaven. But it's a place where he dwells. What is the place that he dwells? This morning in Faithful Life in Romans, uh, Revelation 5, as we were finishing that, we saw a scene of worship that, that John is out of words trying to describe. He can't, he can't get it done. That is his habitation. He's coming from a place of authority, extreme authority. God uses the word picture of a family when relating to believers. How cool is that? You know what that means? He's the originator. He's the originator of the family. My opinion in 2023, the family, you don't know where the bound, you don't know how that works anymore. You, you don't know who's who and what's what and the boundaries thereof. God uses a word picture for us of relating to believers as family, and I think that's cool. Why? Because the impact a family has on a child shapes their personality, shapes their character, their habits, traits, and their worldview. Let me say that line again, and I'm going to give you some examples. The impact a family has on a child, it shapes their personality, shapes their character, their habits and traits. My niece is in town uh, from Tennessee. She came up, spent a couple days with us. Um, we got a problem. Here's the problem. Aaron moved out of my house. I took Caitlin's room and painted it, and it became my room. That is my room now. All my stuff's in there, just, just so perfectly so. It has now become deemed as her Airbnb. 
Her, now it's Susie's Airbnb, and she even said she's going to write a review uh, on, on her uh, Airbnb. But, you know, we were, she came up this week because we had a family wedding. We were at it last night. And there's so many things, and just people watching, and you're taking it in. And a couple other family members were there. Again, we have a large family, but just a handful were there. And uh, just some things that stood out as I was going over this, how that uh, impact a family has on a child shapes their personality, their character, their habits, and their traits. My oldest sister, Pam, is 75 years old. And she, uh, she was 21, 19, 20 or 21, when I was born. I was born in 1968. So they thought that it just we have a big family that I was Pam's child when really she's my sister are you with me so she's 21 holding me and they're like oh Pam had a baby how's that work you know oh. so she's my sister she's 21 years old. so she's the oldest that makes me the the baby I'm the baby of the family right my sister. So now last night, I'm kind of helping her. She hurt. She fell. She hurt her leg. Hurt her leg. She, she's a mess. And I'm watching her carry food. I said, let me, let me carry that for you. So I'm helping her out. I don't want her to be strained or anything like that. And I want you to know when she left. She's 75. I'm 54. She kissed me on the cheek and said, bye, baby. She, kissed, she still called me baby at age 54. I just went with it. But seeing my nephew and his kids and they look spitting image of him and, and just the characteristics and how they act and interact, it's no mistake that an impact a family can have on a child. Do you agree with that? There's just an extreme impact. I'm setting you up for something. The impact of a family, it lingers for life even. When I read that verse, 68.5, a father to the fatherless, it made me think back to my father. It's natural, right? I, I'm not, we're okay. And the more I'm thinking about that, though, there's impacts. I'm still, you know, you find yourself using the phrases that my father used. I find myself, for grief share, our last night of grief share, I always get out my dad's work shirt and I wear it here that night. Which, by the way, I can still button, just for the record. Um... But the point is, these things last for a lifetime. The impressions. God, he, meaning God, could have described himself. Listen how he could have described himself. As a benevolent dictator. That would have been fair. That would have been fair for God to do. He could have described himself as a kind boss. I'm kind, but I'm, I, I am the boss. He could have described himself as a patient landlord. But instead, he chose the word father. That's what God chose. Jesus taught the believer to call God father. I'm going to have Spencer put on a screen Luke 11.2. Luke 11.2. Luke 11.2 says, so he said to them, when you pray, say, and we know this as the Lord's Prayer, and there's John 17, but just hang with me here. Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? Your kingdom come, 
will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now, why would he use that terminology? Well, the disciples said, hey, teach us to pray. That's what comes right before that verse. And he's saying, call him, if you're a believer, call him Father. Throughout Scripture, God describes his love for us as that of a caring parent. Listen to this. Isaiah 49, John 16, 2 Corinthians 6, Romans 8, and there's more. But over and again, he's referring to himself as Father. By the way, God the Father also uh, possesses the characteristics of both father and mother. Isaiah 66, verse 13. Proving again the perfect word picture of a family. I'm so grateful to know that we have a God and we have a Savior that can connect with how we feel. Terminology is not wasted in the Bible. It's perfect, and it reaches the deepest part of us. You had your finger there in Psalm 68. Now go to Psalm 27, if you will. Psalm 27. I found something else out this morning. I don't know if it worked. Betty's plan worked. It was donuts with dads for Father's Day, and then all guys, you know, get here at 845, and, um, boy, I'll tell you what, if you feed them, they will come. They will come. I saw Ben. Did you get all the chocolate off your fingers before you played the guitar? You, his whole hand was covered in chocolate. I'm like, how are you going to pluck that thing? He, oh, he'll figure it out. Get you sugared up. Psalm 27, verse 10 reads, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. He possesses the, the qualities of both father and mother. As a believer, he invites his children to allow him to fill his role in your life. Can I speak to the fathers for just a moment? I think I touch it again here in a little bit. When you step into your God-given role, you'll be shocked and surprised and complete at, at the feeling. When you step into that role of this is a biblical father, this is your mandate, this is what God, God's saying, this is what I've given you to do, this is who I've given you to be, and you step into it and he empowers you to accomplish just that. Now, it, it's so fulfilling for me. I love being a father. And they get older, and then you got a parent from a distance. Man, that gets a little challenging from times. When they're little, it's kind of easy. You know, walk, talk, then sit down, shut up, and you're, all that. But then when you got a parent them from a distance, it gets harder. You, do, you have to be discerning, and maybe you have to do it a little differently as they're growing and maturing. But you never stop being their father. Our God, God the Father, he never stops being your father. I don't care what your age is. It just doesn't matter what your age is. He will never stop being your father. He invites us to call out to him, Psalm 50, 15. He invites us to cast our worries and our concerns upon him, 1 Peter chapter 5. Enjoy his company. Listen to that. You may think, oh, God's up there. I'm down here. There's a distance between us. 
listen, when you come to him repentant before, through Christ and the connectivity happens, he invites us to enjoy his company. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's got milk and honey for you. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, reference, not the milk and honey, that's in Psalm. But Psalm 116, 1 John 5 as well. Here's the application of a father to the fatherless, is that God promises that in him, no one has to be without a perfect father. Now it's true, I suppose, I don't know this to be factual, but it makes sense to me that how we view our earthly father is how we'll view our heavenly father. If you had a father that was kind of strong, domineering, you're going to view God that way. And I've, I've heard, I suppose that is true. The difference is, the Bible says he's a perfect father. See the difference? We're not perfect on this earth in who we are and in what we do. You probably can, if you're familiar with the scripture, you can probably tell where I'm going with this. This scripture tends to come up quite often on, on these kind of moments. And it's considering him not only as father, but as Abba father. What does that mean? What does Abba father, Abba, wasn't that a group from the 70s from Sweden or something? Dancing Queen or something like that? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, uh, sorry, chapter 4. Galatians 4. As we consider our Abba Father, what is Scripture telling us about God? What is God telling us about God? What is the Holy Spirit telling us about our Father? How close can this relationship really be? I mean, really. We can't see him. We can't. How, how close can this relationship really be? Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul's writing to the Galatia area, several churches, and he said... And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Where does he spend this, send the spirit of his sons? In our hearts. The, the immaterial part of us. The deepest part of us. And, the, and it ends by saying, crying out, Abba, Father. We have Jesus Christ as a believer in our lives, in our inner person, that's crying out. The intimacy isn't from you to him. The intimacy is through Christ. Did you catch that? If you know Christ, genuinely, you're going to know the Father. Why? How many times did Jesus talk about his deity? I and the Father are... We're one. We're going through the book of John on Sunday nights. And my goodness, it, that theme through the book of John is over and over and over you don't know him. You know him through Christ. I and my Father are one. And look at that verse. It's crying out. Jesus was able to cry out to his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. By the way, who do you cry out to? Who do you cry out to? Who you, somebody you know that can do something about your problem. Does that make sense? Right? When you have a problem, we learn this. Uh, well, when you have a problem, you're at a restaurant and you have a problem... Uh, you don't just go to the waitress. Who do you go? Who do you call for? You call for the manager. Why? Because the manager could do something about your problem. Now, that's not how I roll. But some people are like that. I don't call for managers. If I got bad service, I got bad service. I got bad food, I got bad food. You just won't get my money back. I mean, uh, I won't be back for a while. 
You gotta earn, you gotta earn my money. But the point is you call out to somebody that can do something with your problem. Abba Father, he's crying out. God, our Father, can handle everything and anything. This word Abba is always followed by the word Father and is used three times in Scripture. Somebody needs to write that down. The word Abba is uh, always followed by the word Father and it's used three times in Scripture. It means a close, intimate relationship of father and child as well as a Christ-like trust a child puts in their daddy. Uh, we could fill the rest of the time with illustrations. Fill the rest of the time just with illustrations of how much a child trusts their parents. One of my favorite ones is when Caitlin was only yay big, probably smaller than that, probably like that. Back in the old building, old tables in the whole nine yards, we did this thing where she would start at one end of an eight-foot table and run and jump into my arms. Now, she's this big. The table's yay big. So she goes off. It's not going to be pretty, and I'm going to be in trouble with Carla. That's how that ends. But this, Caitlin was the daredevil of the two. She would run and jump and not even look down. Just straight out. right. And I had to catch her. And I loved it. Ava, you're looking like I would never trust you like that. That was the look on her face. was like, Caitlin, what were you thinking? That, I saw that. But the trust, I mean, her eyes were this big and she would just run and boom. Why would she be able to do that? She knew that dad had her. You weren't going anywhere. I think last year I used the illustration of Aaron on the backpack when we were hiking in Arkansas. And he had a death. That kid wasn't going anywhere, walking that edge. And I'm only human. But our Father, our Heavenly Father, we place all our faith and all our trust. He holds tomorrow. He's not only in tomorrow, but he holds it. He's in control of tomorrow. Why would you not trust him with your life? You know, here's another thing about believers that we've got to clean this up. We trust God the Father with our eternity. One day I'm going to step off this earth and I'm going to have heaven. That's great. I trust you with my eternity, but I can't trust you with the next hour. Lord, I'm struggling to trust you with what the rest of the day, or the rest of the week looks like. That's backwards, y'all. He speaks to our daily lives probably more than he does heaven in the scripture. It's a guess. Here's a gospel 101. Only those who can call him Abba Father is for born again Christians, like First John tells, like John one tells us. Then, and once we're born again, John three kicks in. We are adopted into his family, and because of that, we are heirs to who he is and all that he has. Look with me in Romans eight sixteen. Romans eight sixteen and seventeen. Sonship through the Spirit. Romans 8, 16. There's that beautiful sound of pages turning. I love that sound. 
16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, his spirit to our spirit, that we are the children of God. Can we pause there for a moment? There's a comma right there. Just pause for a moment. Think about that. Don't just read that and fly over it. There is, how do you save? How do you know you're saved? Because I was there is one answer. But here's another answer right here. Because I have seen and felt and had the Holy Spirit bear witness with my spirit. That's deep in here, y'all, that I'm a child of God. Now, there's something that you can't always explain. There's something you can't always write up in, a, in a, an outline form or write up and put on a blog. Spirit to spirit. The Holy Spirit to my spirit. There's one. Now, of course, we have the scripture. We have so many other things. But don't overlook verse 16. We are heirs. We are in the family through the spirit. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. By a spiritual connection. Now I would add mainly as he illuminates his word. But also um, to the father's estate is where we are heirs. All the father has is ours. At his timing and his choosing. Don't be like the prodigal that Brad referenced a little bit ago. God I know, you're, I, know I have access to everything that's yours and I want it now. Give it to me now. How'd that end? He didn't trust the father in the prodigal. And there's another son there. But don't forget, the prodigal wanted to get ahead. Wanted access to prematurely. Timing and choosing is up to God, our father. A perfect inheritance is what 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 says. A perfect inheritance. He interacts with us like a family. Now, we're not going to turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, okay, we interacts with us as a family. Now, remember, there's families and then there's families. There's families that are picturesque and then there's hot mess families. I think that pictures the church pretty good. <laughs> the genuine church is probably going to be on the hot mess side. Why? Because we're human beings, we're willing to recognize and not put on a front about who we are. And, but we bring these things. We come before our God with these areas. And that's what makes us a family of God. I was told that just the other day. Just last night, actually. Love how that we're, there's a family here. Unlike Adam and Eve, they had to hide from God. The believer gets to run to their father. Oh, let's talk about that for a moment. Why did Adam and Eve had to hide from God? Well, because they had sinned and they realized they were naked and ashamed. And why, is, why did they have to run? Because they knew for the first time they were undone. They weren't worthy. They couldn't get to a perfect deity. They couldn't get to God because of sin. How can I say that the believer doesn't have to run from? They ran from God. In fact, I think uh, Genesis 4, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And he said, Adam, where art thou? Where are you at? Well, he knew where he was. He didn't need to check his GPS monitor. He knew, he knew where Adam was. He was talking about his heart condition, wasn't he? Spiritual condition. How can I say that Adam and Eve had to run from God, but we get to run too? 
Why? Because we have forgiveness in Christ as a genuine believer. Don't run away from God, especially when you need him the most. We get hung up. We get tempted. We take the bait. We fall down and we get, we're snowballing downward and we run from God when we need to stop because we, as a believer, you have the ability to run to him. See the difference? There's a ginormous difference there. But we like what we like. And that sin, that temptation felt good. That temptation feels good. Well, if a little's good, more must be better. I wish we could have that mindset when we go to the Father. Run to Him. You do not have to run away. He has, I love this line, He has the toughest job being our Heavenly Father that He loves. It's the toughest job and He loves doing it. If you fathers will reach out to him, he will motivate, model, and instruct you to the Father, our Jesus and the Spirit, and it'll be the toughest job that you'll love is being a parent. The toughest job that you love is being a father. Be like him. Be like him. I want you to consider another point here, probably be the last point, and it's in 1 John. Turn there with me toward the back of the Bible. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I wonder what the rest of your day looks like today. Everybody may have different things going on. Other people maybe think, well... You know, I haven't had a father in my life in a long time. What's, what's the big deal? I would encourage you as a member of Cross Point Baptist Church, encourage these fathers, encourage these young fathers. Come alongside, ask them before you leave what they're doing today. How can you come alongside? Pray for them today. Why? Because perhaps you've been or seen where they're headed. I'm going to give you a little glimpse of what I do. This is what Pastor Scott does. I'm watching Pastor Roger and Pastor Rick. You may think, why are you watching them? Because they're just a handful of years older than I am, and they already have grandkids. I'm serious. I want to know what it's like to be a grandparent. I've never been a grandparent before. How's that work? What do you do? I see all the bumper stickers that say spoil them, grandparents, and send them home. I, I've seen all that stuff, and I'll probably do it, to be honest with you. But how do you, they're not my, it's not my kid. I, I can't, how's this work? Which is interesting, because Aaron and Kira, they're like, when we have grandkids, and if this happens, we got it. We got it, Dad, we got it. Caitlin says, when I have grandkids, you can raise it. <laughs> Encourage one another in these manners. We got men in here that are raising little ones, and it's, come on, you guys know what it's like. It's wonky, and things are going to get spilled, and... Life's chaotic and everybody's working and running and how do we now, and now that's all I can do to get them to look, get their, know where their wanna book is and now you want me to go over scripture with them? Encourage them. Encourage these young fathers in these areas. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love, that's the key line I want us to focus on. What manner of love? 
the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Listen to that line. A wow moment for John. Blown away. Jesus could have saved the believer without placing them in the family of God. Think about that for a moment. It might hurt your brain. But he not only saved us, he placed us in a family. What manner of love. So great is the love. How great? And the one verse comes to mind right there. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us. He put on display his love for you and I when we had it all together. That's not how the scripture goes at all. But God demonstrated his love or commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. When we were ugly, when we were at our worst, when we're stuck behind orange barrels down the one lane in front of Sherfax on Old 74 and Elick Lane, and we're not at our best, that's when he loved us. He showed his what manner of love. I get overwhelmed at times. I forget it at times. Um, I don't know how to express that to people, what manner of love, other than just attempt to live it out. I, I, and that's hard to do at times. John, the Holy Spirit, purposefully used the word Father on purpose throughout the Scripture by calling us children. Think about this. God did not become the father when he adopted us. Ready? God's fatherhood is eternal. He's always been the father. He is eternally the father, and through Christ, he is our father. Embrace that. Fall into those arms, if you will, this morning. Through Jesus, we receive the father's love. So that line that John used there, what manner of love is this? John says, uh, uh, or, or means, that we are his children right now and in the future. When you are in an undesirable situation, he's still your father. When you're having, when life is as it should be, everybody's where they should, everything's good, money's good, we're good. He's still your father. He's eternally the father. Call out to your father. A lot of phone calls will be made today. A lot of phone calls. Well, it's that Father's Day thing. I better shoot a call out. Uh, we saw Carla's dad on Friday. We took the time and um, we, we want to make a special time. But see, if we only do it once a year, how much is that really showing appreciation and showing the love? It's not. Every couple weeks we're talking to, the, talking to her father-in-law. We're spending time with him. We're playing tricks on him. By the way, you want to hear our latest trick on him? Can I tell it? I should tell it. All right. He's not watching on Facebook, so he won't get this. I don't know why I'm sharing this. When we go down there, we go to the dollar store and we buy a dollar gnome. You've seen these gnomes, right? Everybody got gnomes? And uh, we got a dollar gnome, and every time we go down, we put a different gnome in his house. Well, so now we just move them around. 
And I don't know that he's fully catching on to it, but he's, he knew that when he saw, I said, OJ, what, what do you got going on here? Ah, I know that was you. I knew that was you. And, he, and so he found two of them, put them side by side. So when we were there Friday, Susie, I'm putting you under the bus here on Facebook, says, you need to go put that in his medicine cabinet. So it's in his medicine cabinet, right where his toothpaste, and he's very, he's OCD, man, right next to his toothpaste. I haven't got a call yet. So that means, A, he hasn't brushed his teeth in two days. Or B, he moved it and didn't even realize it. Or C, he's going to get me back. It's going to be one of, them, one of them three things. Why do I do that? Because, uh, because I love that old man. I love him. It's interesting, when he found the first one, he knew who it was. It's not fair. But when we think about this, what manner of love we, we call out to our Father. Don't let this Father's Day, you know, I've asked every kid that came in this morning, hey, who, did you make breakfast for your dad? Did you make breakfast? Not a one kid of Cross Point said yes. In fact, some waited until they got here to have a donut with dad. But we got to show love more than once a year, more than once a week. See where I'm going with this? He's our father. Show him the connectivity. Show him he wants your time and attention. Let's give it to him. Give him our, he can handle the big stuff. He can handle your hangups. He can handle your think throughs. He can handle you like, God, I don't know how this works. He can handle it. He wants to hear from you. It's okay to be in awe of our Heavenly Father. I think it's okay to be in awe and lose composure and be flooded with silence for me when I am in awe of God. That's, in fact, when we see people in the Bible, when they are in awe of God, they're, they're, they're dumbfounded. They're silent. It's beyond them. Read, pray, think, but invite him in. You won't have to explain your heavenly father to other people. Why? Because they'll see him through you. I'll end with this. When I went to Pacific Garden Mission, uh, man, it was, it was full, second largest homeless shelter in the United States. And there we were. Man, you, we taught two times a day. And it was interacting, a lot of people's stuff. And someone asked me when I got back, man, you've been gone for three, four days. How was it? And my answer was, My answer was, I hope it just shows. Why? I was, I was at a loss for words. You, you, when you're part of something that God's a part of, it's bigger than you. We hope it just shows. Same thought for you today. Now, again, today's geared for the fathers or the men in the room or the potential fathers. Be in awe of him as our perfect father. Not only is he our example, he helps you to step into that role. And be who he wants you to be. There are a lot of bad examples of fathers in the Bible. In fact, there's more bad examples than good examples. This week on the news and locally, Claremont County, we got news of a, of a bad father. Most of you know what I'm talking about. That fast, in just a couple days from the bad, heartbreaking news of a murderous father last night, 
I saw a glimpse of a good father, tangibly speaking. How can one father be so... evil and another father be so loving? I have the answer for what I saw. We don't know anything about this evil father. I didn't hear the testimony to hear any of it other than I did it. But last night I watched a father at a wedding present the gospel and be an example as he talked about his daughter and it was reciprocated back of what an example he was and is in that family. That's a leader. One or the other. We seek the perfect parent and try to emulate him. Well, that would be our Heavenly Father. But not only for the sake of our children, but because it's honoring and right in his name. That applies to regardless of what your gender is today, man or woman, Nothing in between, man or woman. That applies to you today. That applies to you. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Can we do that? We do want to give an application prayer. It'll be a, just a short time of, of, of making these things shored up in your life. Dear God, thank you for our time together. May we take this time in prayer, whatever our need is. Some may be, have need of genuine salvation. We, we're here. We're ready. But also, perhaps, our church family. It just, even as a father, we're just getting a, little, getting a little off track, a little wayward, a little self-serving instead of selfless. Well, we know you to be selfless. Help us to be who you want us to be, which you would have us to do. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as a time of prayer? You can come and pray privately or where you are, but come and pray privately. At the altar is Andrew leads us. I'll be here if you need prayer as well. Won't you come?
Just a couple of announcements before we are uh, dismissed. Uh, of course, you know uh, the Vacation Bible School activity starts on Monday, tomorrow night at 6.30, 6.30 to 8.45. Uh, you're all welcome to come. The opening, everybody can sit out here, and uh, you can come, come back at the end either way, but uh, it'll be a great day for the children. If you know of kids or grandkids, neighbors, uh, others that... that uh, might want to come to the Vacation Bible School from, uh, I think it's three years old to sixth grade, leaving sixth grade. Uh, you're welcome to come and participate, and, uh, and it'll be great for them. Um, a couple of announcements about this. Make sure if you're a worker in VBS and you can make something for, a, uh, for our uh, snacks and things in the snack room for all the workers and leaders, uh, please sign up for a, uh, a dish or something to bring. Uh, there's a welcome uh, a sign up on the welcome center back there, and that will uh, help us uh, be prevent everybody from having to cook supper and then come uh, to vacation Bible school and work. So, uh, if you can take a turn on that, it would be wonderful for that. Uh, also, last thing, Father's Day. Thank you very much. Happy Father's Day to all. There are a few donuts left. If you don't take them, I'd have to eat them, and it just wouldn't work out that way. So. Grab one on your way out, whatever's left, uh, until they're gone. So thank you very much. God bless you for, for that. Uh, we have one last announcement, the chair ministry, because we have Vacation Bible School starting. If you're able to help uh, today with setting uh, putting up the chairs and putting them out of the room, that would be great, uh, or putting them over to the sides, I think, whatever uh, the leaders instruct you to do on that. With that, God bless you. You are dismissed.